Episode 26 of Shanlin on Batman. I am Justin Shanlin. We continue this two-part episode. Part two. Part two with our favorite <laughs> guest, uh, Mark Hughes from Forbes magazine. So when we left, Mark, you talked about some uh, some crazy fanboy backlash on the message boards. And there's been a lot of uh, crazy fanboy Twitter backlash, Facebook backlash with uh, that cover of Batgirl oh and the God. Joker. Um, yeah. Um, so let's talk now, about that. I'll say, first, my opinion of it, if that's what... My reaction, short version, is uh, Albuquerque's uh, made the choice. He heard the fans' complaints and he said, you know, I understand it. I didn't think about it, but that's correct. That's I get what they're saying. And he said he asked DC to pull the cover, and I think it was the right decision. And I'll tell, and here, just in a nutshell, uh, the Killing Joke is a great comic. I like the Killing Joke. Uh, I do think that Batgirl is a really great, strong character, and I was very disappointed at the time I read the Killing Joke to see her character reduced to basically being a scared damsel in distress who's like. Oh, you didn't see his his eyes, his eyes, and she's so scared. And the whole sexualized violence theme that recurs in Moore's work, Alan Moore's work, over and over again, women constantly. There's a lot of sexualized violence against women, and I know that that's true in society. But I don't think that means that it has to be reflected in such an exploitative way in entertainment over and over again. Uh, so that was a part of it. I thought, you know, it's James Gordon was given, got to be like, you haven't gotten to me. And even though he was the same thing, sexualized kind of violence against him in a way, because I mean, not in just a way. It's as Sean, uh, Sean Gerber at Modern Myth Media pointed out, it Gordon was the victim of sexual assault, too, because when you it, when you attack somebody, strip their clothes off and then take photographs of them or tie them up. That's a sexualized form of violence. It's a form of sexual assault. And mm-hmm. so Gordon was subjected to it too. Uh, but Gordon didn't just become a terrified guy curled up and cowering in a corner the way they portrayed Barbara Gordon to be. And over the years, a lot of writers put a lot of thought into rebuilding her character and showing her get past that right. and trying to kind of erase that whole Barbara as just a victim of this uh, kind of thing and just using her as a tool to try to get to Gordon to try to get to Batman and I think that cover upset a lot of people because Batgirl had come back lately and had really just you know from Oracle and then to the news stories especially she was such a good character she was on she had really kind of come into her own and been, was being treated really respectfully and in order to do an homage you know, for the it's the Joker's 75th anniversary, and in order to address that, they're doing these different covers, and that cover, particularly of Batgirl, 
terrified again and frozen in fear and the Joker just draped around her, reminded and conjured up all of those issues that were problems in that story that upset a lot of people and upset – realistically, it upset a lot of female readers because mm-hmm. – you know, that was in the 80s. And at that point and then through the 90s and even today, a lot of female characters in comics realistically are just kind of portrayed as tools to advance the male character's arts or they're portrayed as hypersexualized and as victims of vi- hypersexual violence in order to, like, make the men angry, seeking revenge. And female readers get kind of tired of that. I mean, imagine if every if every male character was just super sexualized and was just used like that we'd all be like come on you know right so i understand that frustration and i understand why that cover reminded people of that and caused a lot of upset and they said look you know the characters moved beyond that you could have done just changing the look in her eyes or having the joker doing that but having her glaring at him angrily and her like fist raised up behind him ready to knock his lights out there's a lot of ways they could have shown kind of turned that on its head and referenced it but in a new kind of modernized way and uh whether the artist intended it or not you know there's intent is one thing and what it ends up really conjuring up in people's minds is something else and i think it was an unfortunate uh cover and i think it was an the right decision to pull that cover. I'm not going to lie, you totally just made me change my mind on that. Right. Yep. Yeah, completely, because I mean, I kind of didn't understand that, but you break it down like that, I, it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, cause, I mean, there's, there's, like you said, though, like, the women in the books and in the movies and stuff, they've been, they've been used as sexual object, objects for that, that, like, that shock factor and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I brought up to these guys when we were talking about it here before we did our last podcast. Uh, I thought the cover was like kind of, it was creepy and stuff, you know, but like it's kind of like the normal Joker kind of thing. But I, like I brought up, I thought it was more uncomfortable when uh, Heath Ledger's Joker was uh, was like smashing Rachel's face in, in, uh, the during the penthouse party, you know? Like that yeah. was a really uncomfortable scene. And like, I, but I, you breaking it down like that, I totally just. You changed my mind on that. Thanks. Right. And my, my sorry. Uh, do you want to go or okay? No, no. My my friend Carly. Uh, she she's she wants to be a teacher and everything. And she's like she. I wouldn't say that she reads comics, but she's aware of comics and she likes kind of like that nerd culture. And she and I wasn't paying any attention to it until she mentioned something to me. She she tagged me in a post on Facebook. She's like, Justin, what do you think about this? I'm like, it's just a cover. It's just it's just a cover. Like they're they're taking uh. Uh, the Jokers, you know, the kill- Joker, yeah, yeah, the Killing Joke, you know, they're trying to like they're doing the seventy fifth, and I was like, you know, like I don't get like too much of it, like it just sh- to me, like yeah. it seems like she's kind of surprised, like oh my goodness, I let the Joker get up behind me again, like well, here's what I got to do, and she kind of broke it down to me, and she's like, Justin, there's there's not a lot of like strong female characters in comic books, and that's where you get a lot of uh, a lot of the backlash, Justin, and I said, you know what, like I. I was trying to like I was trying to like still give my point, but she was totally right. She's like, there isn't. They're always very highly sexualized, very over the top, you know, in your face with the sexual innuendo. They're only used, you know, to bring. You, there, there's really not that for little girls that strong female character, other than maybe Wonder Woman or Woman. Yeah. And it's just, and she was right, and I, it brought it brought up a whole nother issue 
with that cover. Do I do I want them to change it? <sighs> then you start getting into freedom of speech and stuff. And uh, we were talking about that. You know, like we we're living in like this crazy like world where like it's it's the the crazy extremes on Twitter with people that they go overboard and talk about. You know, if you read you know on BOF, uh, BatmanOnFilm.com. Uh, Bill had this, you know, the interview with Gal Gadot, and there she was talking about the the big boob thing, and it's like, you know what, Sorry, like, yeah. here we are again, you know, DC isn't run by women, it's run primarily by men, right? And it's just it's like, damn, they they kind of fucked up. Like to be straight up, they they really kind of fucked up, and I feel like I kind of turned turned women off to the Batgirl again after all that. Like what Mark said is like you you have them repairing the damage from. I'll, the 80s, I'll, yeah. We'll throw it on Front Street. Like pretty much, Alan Moore is trying to insinuate that before the Joker shoots her in the spine, he rapes her, just like in V for Vendetta, if I'm not mistaken. And it's just like, damn, they 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 really kind of have to, they, they they screwed the pooch. Even without like uh, that, and this brings up a good point. Like the the Time Magazine, Time Magazine has th- this uh, this. Just completely ridiculous, obnoxious, uninformed article. Uh, yeah, and I'm calling you out, Time Magazine, so I hope you're listening. Uh, your article is shit about this cover, and here's the reason why. First of all, it's completely uninformed uh, because the complaints, for example, about the glamorizing of sexual assault that it mentions uh, in the article. It's and the to be clear, the Time Magazine article is saying that, uh, and I'm gonna t- here's the headline. Let me read you the headline for it. It says, comics like Batgirl shouldn't require a good feminist seal of approval, which is, first of all, just a completely trite, disingenuous portrayal of the complaints. Because it was nobody said they need a good feminist seal of approval, first of all. What they said was a medium that traditionally does not have good, strong female characters and that treats women as sex objects and tools to advance male stories should not take one of the best, strongest female superhero characters and remind everyone of a time when she was just used as a sex object and a tool to advance male stories. So that's there's a, there's a big difference between saying this is patently problematic and saying it needs some sort of good feminist seal of approval and i think it's really condescending and uh just intellectually dishonest the way that uh uh kathy young who's a contributing editor at reason magazine and i like reason magazine in a lot of ways but they their title is reason magazine but they've got a lot of people that are able to be very unreasonable there sometimes and this is one of those examples uh i don't think it's censorship I think I think that I, as readers and as an audience and as a public at large, people have reactions to things. And when we don't like it, if we don't like something that a product has done, then we have every right to speak out about it. And I didn't see reason saying that we need to stop the censorship of Coke because everybody is saying that Coke Zero sucks. And or that the new Coke formula sucks and that Coke should go, Coke should not give in to this, you know, the seal of approval of audiences who don't like the flavor. When you don't like a product and these comics are products, if you don't like it, then you have a right to say why, you know, and, and you don't have to it, buy it. Either. And it's a problem. And part of the reason uh, to get specifically to the sexual assault issue, it's not. I don't. I never thought that there was an implication that the Joker raped Barbara Gordon. He he opens the door. She's like, "Oh my God!" Boom! He shoots her in the stomach, 
She falls on the ground. He gets out. He has a camera. So it looks like he's and he starts to undo her clothes and he's immediately about to take her clothes off and take photos of her. I think that's all that was supposed to be implied. Uh, And that is a sexual assault, Mm -hmm. whether or not Reason Magazine's editor, contributing editor, Kathy Young or Time Magazine feel that shooting a woman, stripping her naked and then photographing her naked is a sexual assault or not, it is, just to clarify for you, Kathy Young and Time Magazine. Uh, So that in and of itself is a sexual assault. So uh, when she says that, well, fans think that uh, it it glamorized sexual assault, but the comic itself makes no reference to rape, there didn't have to be a rape for that to be sexual assault. It was clearly a sexual assault already. Uh, And sexualized violence against women has been a big problem in media and in comics. And this was particularly a female superhero who has been like one of the few that has lasted through time in comic books. So for her to turn into just a pure victim of a sexual assault and then to be cowering in bed, she's so terrified. And when you put that directly alongside Jim Gordon's reaction when he is stripped naked and he's being tortured by the Joker who keeps showing him photos of his naked daughter – Jim Gordon is like strong and stands up and is able to fight back. And we didn't see Barbara do that at all. And that's part of the, you know, besides just the general portrayal of it, that specifically leaving out any kind of stronger reaction from her was what made it problematic. And there's no recognition of any of this in the Time Magazine article. All it is is the typical whining and complaining about how feminists are ruining everything because they don't just let people do whatever they want and portray women however they want. And I'm really tired of this banal attitude that the problem is really the feminists, not people who portray naked women as victims of sexual assault for purely like thrilling and entertainment value. Okay. So I I take a lot of exception to uh, the Time Magazine article for not only for its pure ignorance of what actually happens in the comic book and not only for its pure ignorance in recognizing that stripping someone naked and photographing them is a form of sexual assault, but for its entire disingenuous, empty-headed, non-reason uh, of, of acting like this was a case of feminist seal of approval. A lot of fans objected to it and who weren't necessarily even people who identify as feminist. You know, Uh, I saw male fans object to it. Uh, I saw female fans who don't call themselves feminists object to it uh, because they simply love this character and they did not like seeing this character thrown back 30 years into the past to a time when she was portrayed that way. That's what this was about. And I think it's important to understand that, to have any kind of actually informed, intelligent position on the matter. And it's unfortunate that Time did not have either an informed or intelligent position on the matter. Well, it's complete bullshit, too, on their part. And it just, it's, they're, they're making a problem, it's making it from bad to worse. Because they're not making informed decisions in what they what they want to write about, what they want to talk about. It's just like, here's what we think of it without actually getting to the real issue. It's just like, here we're going to write a story. And it's almost like, to me, like it goes back to that bullshit clickbait that you see, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of movie websites, a lot of, uh, 
They're just trying to make stories just to get the get the readership up or whatever it may be. Who knows what the fuck they think about when they're trying to do stuff like this? But it's bullshit. It's it's and what my friend Carly she she made me look at it through her eyes, like a woman's point of view. Yeah, yeah. and it, I wouldn't even say that she's offended. She's just a. Str my friend Carly is one of the strongest female people that I've ever met, and I've only known her for about two years. She's a very she's active. She's active in her community. She, you know, just she's active like at home. She has a strong fam the familiar uh, familial lifestyle, and like she's just a strong character. She works out. She's she's one of those people, and she's intelligent too. And she was able to make me see it from because I, you know, I I just see it as. Oh, the Joker's being the Joker. Yeah, yeah, I just see it as that. It's, but it, she made it more than that. And what Time Magazine really did is they, they did it way more than that. Yeah, but yeah. They, it's just it's bullshit. <laughs> and it, 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 they even define it. One of the things that uh, that she says in her Time Magazine uh, uh, op-ed, and and I'll I should note that this is not an official Time Magazine itself. Uh, this is a written by Kathy Young contributing editor to reason magazine who said this so time but time made the choice to run the shitty uh, article um <laughs> she says that the objections she phrases it that the objections can look like a sexist plea for special protection for women in other so it's just this completely empty-headed and it's it's reactionary knee-jerk anti-feminist crap is what it is and uh I'm really just tired of this notion that, oh, women saying they don't want to be portrayed as pure sex objects is somehow asking for special protection. It's it's an absurd claim. Uh, yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's like the Gamergate bullshit that we got. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. But the gamer, you, you're aware of the Gamergate thing that goes on, right? Yeah. It yeah, just, yeah it's, yeah. it's like, what the, like, <laughs> why have we gotten to this point in society where, like, we're we're doing this to each. It, it just and then it goes back to like the next topic I want to bring up is, you know, I don't know. Are do you still want to continually talk about this? Because we can. Like I, that's what I like. I want this to breed discussion. This is what we're doing. We're having a healthy conversation between adults here that really gets to the central issues here. But if you want to keep talking about, it, you're more than welcome. No, that's okay. Uh, I just uh, I w I'll just say in closing that I think that. Uh, that regardless of the intent and regardless of whether a lot of fans are like, yeah, but we think it was cool and we want the cover, it doesn't – that's not the issue. The issue is that the cover was a problem. The artist, when it was pointed out to him and explained in that way, saw the point and said, you know what? This really I, – I get it. I didn't – whether I meant it or not, whether I intended it or not – this has really raised a lot of concerns and problems for people mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. see things from a very different perspective that I don't personally, I don't see it because I can't relate to it. I don't know what it's like to have to grow up as, as uh, a, a female reader who constantly sees these kind of portrayals right. of my gender. And he went to DC and asked DC to pull the cover and he thinks it's the right decision. And so, uh, Kudos to him uh, for sure. That, yeah, for having I, the stones. I, I think to it was the right choice, and yeah. I, I think it was the right choice. And I think uh, if if there are people who feel that, I think that it's an issue that people can disagree on, but that ultimately I do feel like there is a right position on it. And but particularly, I think that there is. Even if we can't all agree on what the right position is, I think that there's a very wrong position. Mm -hmm. And that Time Magazine article uh, 
definitely stakes out one of the worst possible positions in uh, as far as the, what went on with this cover. And I think uh, Kathy Young's article is the epitome of the classic wrong reaction, completely wrong-headed, factually wrong, intellectually wrong, emotionally and morally wrong reaction to this. Uh, so uh, whatever else anyone thinks, uh, time that article sucked. Kathy, your article sucked. And uh, I, I, hope that, I hope that people listening to this discussion will just remember particularly males, particularly men, particularly white males in the United States who we don't know what it's like to spend decade after decade portrayed as a thing, portrayed as nothing but, and guys will joke, well, I wish that somebody would treat me as a sex object. It's easy to say that when you haven't had to live your entire life treated that way. And when you aren't debased as a human being in that way, and when you don't constantly see yourself portrayed as a tool to be sexually victimized just for the entertainment of other readers. Uh, And I think that it's worth being a little sensitive to that issue and understanding that people who are constantly treated that way uh, have something important to say on the issue and that whether the cover offended you or not, then at least have some respect for people who the cover did offend and understand why they thought it was wrong and respect the decision of the artist and ultimately of DC to say, you know what, we had not really considered those perspectives. We wish we had, we're sorry. And we were pulling the cover. They made the right choice. Right. And like I said, like the, the guy who went like the artist, he had the stones calling. I say, they're right. And that's, that's something that's for, for me, huge is like sometimes in life, you, that's just not about his work. Yeah, right. Like, it's, 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 talks about the the character of him as a person too which was great yeah um and you, it, you bring up some interesting stuff and like the, a lot of stuff that uh i've been seeing lately on twitter has been pretty downright despicable from you know the gal gadot not having big enough breast to be p- portray wonder woman um the the uh kill ben affleck and the the let's get uh let's get something going from uh what's the obama's website call where he's like bring this stuff down you know what i'm saying it's just it's I, the whole issue with twitter and facebook is i want everyone to have the the right to speak what you have to say but when it comes down to downright straight up ignorance when you when you say someone's breasts aren't big enough um when you call someone out like that there's no there's no reason for it, a and b it's fucking wrong and it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's despicable for me as as me. I'm a fanboy. I love Batman. Like Batman has been in part of my life since before I can even fucking remember. And for some of these fanboys, I'm gonna put quotations amount because to me these people aren't fanboys. These are they're they're something completely. They want to call themselves fanboys. But they're not. They're they're fucking douchebags. And I'll I'll say it. And like somebody wants to debate me on t- Twitter or Facebook, I'll debate you till I I prove you wrong. Cause I will. I'll prove you wrong. I'm, some of the things you guys people say on Twitter nowadays is is bullshit. And I yeah, and I they're they're not they're not fanboys. This is what 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 is a mean of a fanboy? Someone who enjoys 
what you read, what you see on TV, uh, the movies, like because it gives you an emotional response to it. You get a you get a response to it, and I mean, I don't want to, you know. Let's talk about that because that's something that I want to, like, I want to start putting an end to this fanboy because they're not fanboys. Fanboys do not act like that, and it's given fanboys like like myself, Mark, Bill Ramey, Tom Harper, Kyle Davis a bad name. Yep. And we're gonna take the name back, fanboys, because once you start making something a thing, it grows out of that into something bigger than what it should be. So let's talk about that. I've uh, I've kind of re- I've stopped applying the term fanboy to myself actually because I think that there's the 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 inclusion of the term boy speaks volumes to me about a lot of this behavior and I think you know a lot of the problem with this kind of behavior you're talking about which is rampant and is loud and obnoxious uh it's very immature and it comes from two places honestly it comes from young fans who are immature because they're literally immature they're kids they're young boys. They're you know they're they're kids. That uh, a lot of them, uh, a large portion of them. And no offense to you if you're a teenager. We everybody's been a teenager at some point in their life who is a teenager or older. I was a teenager. Uh, it's the nature. It's the biology. It's the reality of being a teenager and a young person that youth means immaturity, not mm-hmm. just in the in an in a, uh, insulting kind of way, but just realistically, your tastes have not matured, your attitudes have not matured, your emotions, everything is different for you when you're younger, uh, and there is an immaturity level that's to be expected. You don't have as much life experience, your brain and your body are changing, there's a lot of chemical stuff going on. So yes, your reactions are immature about a lot of things, particularly strong, emotionally driven reactions about things that you're fans of. Uh, so a lot of them are boys. And then then there's the other side of it. And a lot of these reactions come from grown men who are just overgrown man children, infantilized, uh, childish, immature adults. And I think, you know what? The term fanboy <coughs> excuse me. The term fanboy applies pr- to those people precisely because they are boys, mm-hmm. either either literally or intellectually. And uh, there are there are young kids that are fans who don't behave, who aren't immature for their age, who do have more mature attitudes and who don't buy into that kind of crap. And I would say if you're a young fan who doesn't run around saying, I want all the girls to have big boobs and I want all the guys to have big muscles and wear underwear on the outside of their costumes. If you're not complaining about like this, that kind of stuff, if you're not making those obnoxious insulting arguments if you are offering intelligent thoughtful analysis then you're a fan and i don't call you a fan boy even if you're younger because you have a maturity level that's higher than that of a lot of people around you including a lot of the adult fans around you so uh young people just my point is i don't want young fans to take offense at what i'm saying because i recognize a lot of young fans have much more maturity and intelligent analysis of this stuff than a lot of the older ones and some of the worst fanboys that have that kind of immature attitude are specifically the older guys who are just overgrown man children whose tastes and expectations and sense of entitlement has never changed beyond what it was when they were kids nope thank you so i call myself a fan and i consider 
uh, all of us fans, and I think a fanboy is being specifically a term that applies to those and fangirl fanboy and fangirl i think kind of have a a a connotation of younger immature extreme Mm -hmm. attitudes and i I shouldn't even say younger i did it again immature regardless of age and extreme (laughs) attitudes that's what it so to me if you're a if you're a boy if you're a boy or a girl uh fan then those terms may or may not apply to you uh and i think it's in this day and age, so much of fanboy and fangirl culture is dominated by that immaturity and that height, just that inability to react to anything without an extreme. Everything is you're either it's either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever or the worst thing that ever happened or the greatest thing that ever happened. And anyone who disagrees sucks and should never be allowed to live. That's the, how they, you know, so many of them react to everything and it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think all. I'm, I've been reluctant to apply the term fanboy and fangirl just to that kind of attitude, but more and more as time goes on, the more I see it, the more I think, you know what, there is a, a difference between fans, hardcore fans, and fanboy and fangirl. And to me, fanboy and fangirl inherently implies a certain immaturity to behavior and attitude uh, about this stuff. Right. What, I mean, what do you guys think of about it, Tom? We'll, we'll start with Tom. Dude, he killed it. Killed what do it. I have to say <laughs> after that? Wow. Like, reading discussion here. We are reading discussion, but man, like he said, it's just it comes to down to a maturity level with people, and unfortunately, the stereotype is kind of true. Like a lot of the worst attitudes and most immature things that are said in the comic book world. Like they come from adults, like right. adults that should have lives, and you know maybe not worry so much about fictional characters. The si- exactly, <laughs> fictional characters. Yeah. Well, it, like I remember when Sam Jackson said something about, uh, and we talked about it on here. You know, we talked about uh, him. I wouldn't say he was breeding. That that thing he said. What, what was exactly? I can't remember exactly what he said about DC, but he was totally. It's he, not accessible. Yeah, yeah, says, yeah, that's what he said. He, DC is not accessible, and like a lot of people took that as he was uh, he was trying to spark the DC Marvel War, you know, and trying to get it going. And I took it more as like a, with their marketing kind of thing. Like it's it, it's a, Marvel's always shoving that shit down your throat. Like we've said it a million times, you know, but. A lot of people took it as he's trying to start the war. He's trying to get everybody going, and a lot of fanboys went off on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, so what he said was pretty mild, actually, because he that, just he, he just made the point that Marvel has been able to make these the whole giant world of, and he was specifically talking about the the shared universe, and he said that you know, well, Marvel has been able to do the shared universe and make that whole like. And he, he's absolutely right. Yeah, Marvel turned the general truth. public into comic book fans. They're not just superhero movie fans. They have, by definition, the, the, the mainstream public has embraced the entire shared Marvel universe, which is as close to a comic book come to life as we've seen yet. Mm-hmm. They have turned effectively turned the public into comic book fans without the public even realizing it mm-hmm. and yep. made it – so they have made comic books and shared superhero worlds accessible to the mainstream public. And DC literally has not done that yet because they – DC literally has not done a shared universe yet. And mm-hmm. that was – he was – and he said, I don't know why DC hasn't 
found a way to bring Batman and Superman into movies together yet and why it's taken them so long. And I don't know why Marvel was able to and DC wasn't, but they just have been. And of course, the reason they have been able to is because it was easier for Marvel to do it because their characters inherently fit together in that world a little easier because they're at their best when they're together. Right. You know, Captain America's at his best when he's interacting in the Avengers. And, you know, that's, I think, just the nature of the beast, so to speak. Right. And then uh, you had, uh, I can't ever pronounce his name, the guy who runs WD, Kevin Chisera. I, I, I really. <laughs> Can I? I'm gonna butcher that. I don't know it. Um, but he said something to the fact like, uh, "Well, DC has more edge." I was like, "Well, you know, here we go again." Like, like let's just. Let, I'm just. The oh, kind of, uh, Kevin Suchihara. There you go. I can't yeah, see. Thank you, thank God for Mark. I can't. Uh, I cannot pronounce that name to save my life. <laughs> I may not be pronouncing it totally right either. I'm embarrassed if I'm not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he said, you know, like Sushihara, DC right? movies I think, are, I think are edgy. I think it's Sushihara. Sushihara. I think it's correct. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. He, he said, like, DC movies are more, are edgier. And then he, then he had Momoa jokingly on, a, uh, on, was that an Instagram or something? And he yeah. had that photo. He's yep. like, fuck, yep. Marvel. fuck Marvel. And you could tell, like, it seemed like he, because from what I've seen, from Jason Momoa, just like I, he went, was at Motor City Comic Con, and he, you could just see him like interacting, kind of like that, uh, that joking, like kind of like that nudge, nudge, kind of like that fuck Marvel. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's starting the war!" And I was like, "Is he re- like? Is this really something? Why are we making this a thing again?" Like he was asked to do it too. Yeah. He said, "Write something about Marvel," and he wrote it, and he was laughing when he did it. And yeah. it's, I think, people need to understand that that you know these actors and the people working on these films are aware that there's this like back and forth between the fans on both sides. It's like sports teams; mm-hmm. people trash talk, right? And they are not. I guarantee you, these actors are not taking it as seriously. As the fans are. Mm-hmm. The fan no. anger and the actual animosity that goes on that you see online and this flaming and this, you know, all the trolling of each other. That's not <laughs> how they mean it. That's the not remotely what these guys are thinking when they do it. They're talking about it like, you know, they, they're proud of their films. They're doing promotion. Part of it's, you know, they're putting on an act a little bit. And they want to hype their movies. They're talking. They know who's listening to them. They're trying to get DC fans going, yeah. And the, you know, Marvel. Robert Downey Jr. wants the Marvel fans to go, yeah. That's what these guys are up to. So, mm-hmm. you know, nobody should take it to heart or think like, oh, I hate Jason Momoa now because he totally was like promoting his movie. <laughs> That's the <laughs> reason to hate somebody. Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, he was doing I mean, his job. Well, what he it says in his contract that he has to do is promote his movie. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just crazy. Like, like I said, like you have every right to say what you have to say, but there's no reason to go out and just be completely and utterly, totally ignorant about it. There's just no yeah. reason for it. Yeah. Let's, you, have, you have a right to your opinion. Yeah. You don't have a right to express your opinion in a vacuum and that nobody else can say anything right. back to you. Exactly. People, there's a lot of fans, particularly fanboys, the immature ones think they have a right. They have a right not just to speak, but to be heard. And that they, they have a right to be heard, not just to speak their mind. And they think that they have a right to speak their mind and for other people not to argue or complain to them. And I'm sorry, but nobody has that right. I don't have that right. People can talk shit to me on Twitter all they want. Now, I block them, I laugh about it, and I show 
you know, Sean and other people, I'm like, oh, my God, because I get that a lot. I get people, you know, typing crap to me or sending me hate emails or messages and stuff all over the Internet. I get it all the time. And I, you know, sometimes I respond to it. I'll take one or two here or there that are representative of it and I respond. But for the most part, I laugh it off because I'm like, the chances are they're a kid or they're an adult who is mentally deficient <laughs> to the, you know, is, uh, and are so immature that they're just essentially an overgrown man child. That's usually the two types. Uh, and I don't take either seriously. Um, and I think it's important. I do. And I'll say this. I complain a lot about fan behavior and I'm very critical of it. Uh, I don't think that necessarily every time fans get angry or every time fans like argue with each other or shout at each other, that it's just inherently like you're both awful chill and you're, you're immature and you suck and you're the worst. I don't think that I realize we all like this stuff. You know, I was just five minutes ago. I was like chewing out a, somebody for writing an article that I disagreed with in time magazine. You know, I, I understand this stuff gets our ire up and we're all fans and sometimes things get heated Fans express themselves, and on the internet, there's plenty of times that I have said stuff, and I have not remotely been angry or taken it very seriously at all. And I, if I had been saying it in person, they, the person I was talking to never would have thought right. I was angry at him. But you see these words on the internet, and you don't agree with it, so you imagine it. You know, you have to interpret it, and in your mind, you hear him saying it in a much ruder way or a challenging way. Things kind of get out of hand. There's there's room for us to have arguments, to have different opinions, to kind of like talk trash to each other a little bit here and there. And it's not a big deal. You know, it happens. Uh, uh, it's easy to to let these things get, take these things too personally. And I, I think it's ultimately we'd all be better off if we took things a little less personally, a little less seriously, myself included. Uh, and then at the end of the day. Just try to remember we're all fans, and you may like a different character than I do, or you may like a different publishing company, which, you know, that amazes me. I don't know why people are like, I love this company that prints paper, not that one. <laughs> I love whatever. 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 I like them both. I'm, I'm kind of weird like that. So, Endgame is about to wrap up here. They have a, like one issue left. What are your thoughts so far on Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's run with uh, Batman Endgame? Are you liking it? Are you loving it? Is it kind of not your cup of tea? What do you think? I'm a big fan of uh, of Scott Snyder's Batman work. Uh, I love uh, the I love the Batman comics. Uh, uh, I love Greg's artwork. It's just it's some of my favorite Batman artwork ever. Uh, this has been one of the all time best runs on Batman in comics in, in the history of the comics. Really. I rank this, uh, uh, it's up there with the O'Neill and the, uh, Englehart and, uh, some of the, the really top great runs of all time. So I, it's definitely in the top five. I'm trying to decide as I'm talking here, whether I would put it in the top three or the top four. I, it's it's just really really terrific stuff. Um, I love the Court of Owls. Uh, I I really Zero Year is the single greatest Riddler story ever. So Scott, I this is some applause for you. Uh, it's it's the best Riddler story in the comics uh, of all time. Um, it's oh spoiler alert! It's up there with Hush as one of the, <laughs> uh, it's one of the the two greatest Riddler uh, story arcs of all time in the comics, in my opinion. Uh, it's the best. I rank it's number one 
far and away to me. Uh, it's it's the best incarnation of the Riddler that I've ever seen uh, in the comics. Um, I would say uh, Endgame is. Uh, I'm I'm not going to lie. It's it's been a little bit of a mixed bag for me here and there. Uh, I was, I really like the Joker. I love yeah. how, uh, uh, Scott does the Joker, how he portrays the Joker. I love the way, uh, Greg draws the Joker. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely, I'm not hundred percent sold on, uh, the origin story, the whole background that's being kind of laid out. I'm hoping that things, you know, uh, work out a certain way. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that they might go a certain way, but I understand that he's trying to get at something new with the Joker and trying to get at a concept with the Joker as the Joker kind of representing this evil soul of Gotham in a way. I understand that he's trying to kind of explain how the Joker has always been able to do to survive and get away with things he had i mean frankly he had to do something about the face thing <laughs> <laughs> right uh, he had to do something to solve that situation um i'm hoping uh that that it turns out that uh the joker just used well, i don't want to say too much but i'm hoping <laughs> that the joker that this is a re- actually just all a big elaborate trick by the joker and that he has actually just used uh uh some some of Ra's al Ghul's technology so to speak in order to take care of his facial problems and that that's what this really amounts to uh but that'd be interesting yeah uh but we'll see what happens but at the end of the day it's uh the writing is always incredible the writing's terrific uh i love the little bit where there's that in the the secondary story that's going on where the Joker has given these different variations of who he is and where he came from to people. Um, I think uh, trying to do an an epic Joker origin story is hard. Uh, I don't really, I personally have never, none of them, including the killing joke ever hit the nail on the head for me. So uh, I'll just say I, as always, Snyder tells an interesting story. Uh, he's still, regardless of how it turns out, he's still one of the all-time greatest Batman writers and most consistently good Batman writers. Uh, uh, I liked what he did with the Joker before, and uh, despite my misgivings, I still have much love in my heart for uh, the Snyder's run on the book, and uh, I'd be quite happy if he just remained on it indefinitely. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. We all know that you know that's not that's not going to happen. But uh, the, I, I'd personally love to see him stay as long as he can. And the same with Greg. It's uh, it's some of my favorite Batman art of all time. He really captures the feel of the stories and the feel of Batman and and the modern sensibilities of the comics. So uh, whatever DC has to do to keep him around, I hope that they, they do it. Just back a Brink's truck up to his house and, and <laughs> that'd be awesome. I give got, him what he wants. <laughs> I'll ask one more question and then I'll run through uh, if Kyle or uh, Tom. Have. Um, we really haven't talked about Ben Affleck's uh, this episode's or the previous one, episode 25. Why do you, uh, what are you expecting? I don't know if you can talk about, what are you expecting from this version of uh, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne slash Batman? Do you think it's going to be full on Dark Knight Returns? Or do you think they they have like maybe like a hybrid version of that? 
with a few little things sprinkled in here or there. Can you talk about that maybe a little bit? Yeah, I, th I think uh, the, it's. Not, I think at this point it's not a secret that the Dark Knight Returns is going to be a big influence on this Batman and on his world and even on the Joker. Uh, I, I wrote several months ago. You know, I said that. Uh, uh, and I've said for a while now that the dark, and I, I'm not the only one. I don't mean to imply like, oh, I'm the, the guy who said this. But uh, I've said for a while that The Dark Knight Returns was going to be a major influence on this adaptation of Batman and on the Joker, and that uh, we're going to see a continuing influence on that in Suicide Squad, and we're going to see Miller's uh, work uh, influencing the solo Batman movie. Um, which hopefully sometime uh, this year maybe we'll be able to finally start talking about some of the secrets about that, <laughs> uh, that what's planned and what's going on with that. Um, it's the it, Affleck is, in my opinion, Affleck is going to be a and I know I'm saying this completely sight unseen. Well, not sight unseen, but without having experienced really any of of his portrayal. Uh, I think he's he's going to be a fantastic Batman. He certainly looks the part. He's mm -hmm. I'd say this costume and the way that he looks overall. I, I love the Nolan Batman. I love Christian Bale. I am a huge fan, and I I don't think that I need to to really say anything more than that to stress my bona fides as far as a fan of that series. Having said that, this is just honestly the best looking Batman costume we've ever had in live action. And I think Affleck looks more like Batman and Bruce Wayne than anyone who has ever played the character. Right. Uh, I think uh, it helps that his real life uh, is actually just kind of a real life version of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, in a lot of ways, Ben Affleck is Bruce Wayne. We're, I'll tell you this, I think that we're going to see a, a different version of Bruce Wayne. Uh, what I think we're going to see is the we saw the Bruce Wayne as the playboy in that was kind of like the aloof playboy that Christian Bale did, which I thought was great. Uh, we saw the, the Bruce Wayne in, in the Michael Keaton movies who was like vaguely just kind of a guy. And I don't know what the hell it really was. Uh, <laughs> that, that character was really underwritten in my opinion. Michael awesome. Keaton was terrific as Batman, but uh, I, 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 I love Michael Keaton. I give him all the props, but the the Bruce Wayne character, we didn't really get a very good feel of what he was like away from his mansion in the Batcave right. and when he wasn't around his love interests. Uh, this is going to be a Bruce Wayne who is very much the the one that you see in the comics who who donates to charity, who sets up these elaborate. Uh, uh, initiatives to help Gotham. Who does? Who's very well known? Who's a very public, almost a political figure in Gotham. Uh, I think we're going to get a lot of that. I think he'll also be a bit of a playboy, but but not the aloof kind of ig almost ignorant playboy that Christian Bale went for. It's going to be a very different kind of playboy character. Uh, I think he is going to give us uh, the closest thing we've seen to the 1970s uh, Bruce Wayne character. Uh, as far as the guy that's out there doing these public initiatives and is a very public kind of figure. Uh, I think it'll be a lot like that. Um, I think the Batman is going to be mostly the Dark Knight Returns uh, with a sprinkling of that. Uh, you know, what I, I think what, he's going to be a, a lot of Dark Knight Returns and a little bit of the... Uh, 
the Batman, not Bat God exactly, but the the Grant Morrison version of Batman. And I I always I don't know if anyone else ever felt this way, but I always felt that the Grant Morrison Batman was kind of an attempt to merge the the distance between the the more modernized Frank Miller and Frank Miller kind of like angry uh, loner kind of extreme Batman who's like prepared for everything and that kind of uh, 70s O'Neill and Englehart Batman. I, I think that Morrison took that seven, the 70s Batman from the best of the O'Neill and, and Englehart stories and mixed that with the, the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns Batman. And that's really what Morrison's was. And I think we're going to see elements of that, uh, the Morrison and the and the, uh, with a strong, uh, a much stronger Miller influence in this movie, in these movies. Awesome. So, I think that's going to be it for this. Is there episode. anything that you're doing, man? Anything you want to talk about? You said you were like going to go vacay and do some stuff, get off the grid. So I, I'm going to be a. I'll. I'll be, I've got some stuff that I'm working on right now. Uh, I've got some some stories coming up. Uh, some I've got. Well, I have some Marvel uh, stuff coming up. I'm deciding whether or not to publish <laughs> on a couple of stories with some things uh, I may or may not sit on. Uh, which I, I guess I won't tease too much on that. And, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taking a, 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 a trip to see my family in May. I'm going to uh, take a trip to see my my in laws, and I'll be up y'all's way in Detroit here this summer right. for a while. Uh, take yeah. a month up there. If you're feeling dangerous. Um, come to Flint. i'll be i won't be far away no Uh, uh, i'm up for trying to i'm up for arranging a meetup in person we'll hang out and we'll we'll grab a drink uh uh, i'll be heading to europe so uh later this year for uh almost a month for about three weeks so i'll be seeing a few movies before they hit here uh in the u.s thank god (laughs) so what we have planned for uh for Mark's return on Chilling on Batman is we're going to do a commentary track for Batman Forever. We're going to talk. We that'll be uh, that'll be awesome. It sounds like Bill Ramey for uh, Batman on film uh, will be joining us. As joining well. us on that as well. There'll be five of us in one podcast. Yeah, that'll be that'll be crazy awesome. Uh, and then just whatever Mark wants to come on and talk some Batman stuff uh, or like just like this last episode has just been about like like some interesting conversation we had about, you know, some controversy. Most serious Shanley and I Batman yeah, ever, for, for sure. There's no... So, uh, anything else before we call episode 26? Uh, Mark is on uh, Twitter, at Mark Hughes Film, and he's on <laughs> Facebook. He is also... Uh, you can also read his stuff on Core and then Forbes Magazine. Um, if you've heard of that. Forbes Online. Forbes, Forbes online. 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 It's all Forbes the same. <laughs> it's all the same. Um, so anything else before we call it quits on this? I think the- that's going to do it for 26 Shanley on Batman. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm Justin Shanley. Kyle Davis. Tom Harper. <laughs> Nothing. Did we lose him? Yeah. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to answer hey it. Okay. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> It just happened again. That's great. It happened again. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
Oh, you want me to do it again? No, it's cool. I think we're just gonna keep it a running thing. <laughs> if you did it again, it just it wouldn't feel right. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, that is. <laughs> I am the night I am the night I am the night